Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you, of course, can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, here is our Gear 30 question of the day. Can engineering actually help us discover real-world characteristics about products that will be genuinely meaningful to end users? Or is it the case that when we try to start getting all sophisticated with fancy-sounding systems that attempt to capture quantitative data, do we actually create a very high probability of having data lead people astray? Well, this actually gets at the heart of a tension that sometimes, and perhaps often, exists between actual makers and sellers of products on the one hand, and engineering researchers on the other. Now, recently, Tumas Lakso, the vice president of product and operations at DPS Skis, was in Crested Butte to discuss issues like these with some of our Blister Labs faculty members, and he also met with over a hundred engineering and computer science students down at Western Colorado University. And in this conversation that you are about to hear, Tumas and I were back in Blister headquarters with Dr. Sean Humbert, who is one of the top roboticists in the country. Sean is also a passionate skier and biker. He is one of our key faculty members at Blister Labs. And perhaps most impressively, Sean is somebody who has already been on Gear 30 once and was also on our Blister Labs panel session at our Blister Summit. So, you know, it's nice to see that Sean has, you know, finally made something of himself here. Anyway, I really love this conversation that I had with Sean and Tumas, not the least of which because our strikingly handsome Gear 30 producer, Justin Bob, kept writing me while he was producing the episode to say how much he loved this conversation. So that always makes me happy when, you know, J-Bob is happy. But beyond that, I love that this conversation is proof that three people can get together and have a very spirited conversation where we are challenging one another's beliefs and suppositions, and that that can all be done in a respectful way. I personally want a whole lot more conversations like that in this world of ours. I think that respectful disagreements and a willingness to debate our differences and have our tenets challenged in a respectful and maybe even fun way, I think that's not only healthy, I think it's actually crucial for making progress and crystallizing and clarifying our own ideas. And on that note, I do want to clarify one thing that I talk about in this conversation. You'll hear me talk about standing in Montebelluna, Italy this past June in the R&D center of Lang and Rossignol, going at it with Tor Verdonk. Now, just to be clear, I loved that conversation with Tor too. And I promise you that we will have Tor back on Gear 30, or maybe we'll just have him back at the Blister Summit to let him speak his piece on these topics. Okay, now, just before we actually get to our conversation, I got to tell you about a couple things. Today, Thursday, September the 8th, 
we sent off our massive new 2223 Winter Buyer's Guide to the printer. Thanks be to God and to Lou Kappa and our whole team. And that means that the guide is going to ship out to those of you who've ordered it on September 19th. And that also means that to get the guide in your hands as quickly as possible, you need to go order the guide now so that the guide ships directly to you from our printer. And another thing, in past years, we have made the digital edition of the buyer's guide available for free, but we can't afford to do that any longer. This guide is such a monster undertaking, and it is literally becoming a bigger and bigger undertaking every single year. And given that we do not take any advertising money from any of the ski or snowboard or apparel manufacturers that we review, and that is actually a huge reason why you should actually give a damn about our reviews in our buyer's guide in the first place. Well, given all of that, we think that the guide is a massive value and well worth its relatively small price tag. So today, you can still order the print guide, and with that order of the print guide, you will automatically also have access to our digital guide, or you can order just the digital version of the guide. So we will leave a link in the show notes of this episode for you to order the guide, or you can always just become a Blister member where the digital edition and a print copy of the guide are included with your membership among many, 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 many other benefits. Okay, so please go become a Blister member or at least order a copy of this amazing big book we've just finished. And then... Please enjoy this conversation with DPS's Tuma Swaxo and CU Boulder engineer and roboticist Sean Humbert. Here we go. All right. Well, I'm having a little bit of deja vu right now because last night it was kind of this exact same thing happening here in Blister headquarters. We have Tuma Swaxo and Sean Humbert. The only thing we're missing tonight is... Greg Vanderbeek. Greg, we miss you. We also thought we were going to get his better half, Dr. Jenny Blacklock, with us. That did not happen. So, Jenny, we miss you too. But it's been a very interesting 24 hours of conversations with Tumas and Sean Humbert. But it's been a very interesting 24 hours of conversations with Tumas and Sean and Greg and Jenny. And today, down at Western Colorado University, uh, we had a chance to meet with, I don't know, a hundred plus students in the engineering department. Um, Tumas talked about his broader experience in the outdoor industry and now heading up product and operations at DPS skis. I thought the students asked some really good questions today, but our main order of business is to talk a little bit about sort of the debate slash argument slash concern, let's say, when you have someone in Tumas's role, a manufacturer, someone building product to put out to the marketplace to hopefully sell well against the field of other ski brands out there versus what we're sort of doing on the Blister Labs side of thing, you know, from infield testing to the quantitative 
work that we're doing and dynamic modeling and the rest of the stuff that Sean has been so integral uh, a part of on this lab side of things. So we're sort of calling this manufacturers versus researchers or manufacturers versus engineers. But I thought it would be very interesting for our audience to be able to hear from a manufacturer talk about maybe some of the interesting things that we're up to, but also perhaps some of the worries. So with that, Tomas, does that give you a good place to sort of open up this conversation? I have always been a proponent of data will set you free. We are designing and manufacturing what we hope to be the world's best skis. And that's a large, um, aggressive statement, but we try to perfect the, the mystery and the beauty of the turn. And there's engineering in there. And where data overlaps with the human interface is a very complicated, so far unachievable equation. Sean, Tumas says, so far an unachievable equation. Thoughts? Yeah, it's so interesting because, uh, first of all, Tomas, so great to meet you this past day or so and, and all the chats we've had. At, you know, with every designer and every manufacturer I meet, uh, I realize there's such a huge gap between the designs that come out to market and then the engineering side of it and the tools that get applied to actually create those designs. Right? And understanding what that gap is, is is kind of what we're really trying to do right here at Blister Labs. So I agree with you that um, you know I think uh, you know the tools that we typically apply in engineering aren't being used and they aren't being applied properly. And so I think you know hopefully this is what this conversation will kind of elucidate. But you know we've been talking about this quite a bit, and I think we've got a way to potentially bridge that gap. Um, but I'm looking forward to arm wrestling with you about this today. Yeah, with the. Uh with the Western University today, I described it a little bit like the missing link of human evolution. We have labs and we have nature. And how do you create relevance out of data that's meaningful to a customer? Today, what do we have? We have length, width, weight. Um, and that's about as much data as a consumer is able to absorb right now. And um, it's going to be exciting to take that to the next level. Um, but I don't, I think you have picked the most difficult environment to, like you can quantify a boot, you can quantify a binding, but there's so many variables outside of the lab that that uh, it's gonna be interesting to see that correlation between lab and, and snow. Wait a second. The ski boot manufacturers I know would absolutely not accept your idea that effectively getting more quantitative or objective measurements for ski boots is a simpler exercise than for a ski. Fit is not quantifiable. Yeah, so what are you thinking of? What aspect of ski boots? We talk about a 130 flex, a 120 flex, and that's just completely arbitrary. It's a positioning statement across different brands and to help guide a consumer into, I think, I like stiff boots, I like medium boots, but um, I learned that stiffness is a 360 degree relationship. It's just not forward, it's backwards, it's lateral, and it's the spring coefficient of how, what is that, how progressive is that flex? And I think you guys can quantify that. That's a spring. That's a, that's something that there's like, how does that ramp up? Just like you can measure a fork or, or some suspension. A boot is a suspension component that I think is way easier because it, the inputs are shaft length of your shin. And um, unfortunately, the fit has a lot to do with that. I 
I, I see people like, hey, I like really stiff boots. And it's like, well, you might want to buckle your top buckle a little bit more. And, and that might be what you need. Yeah, Tomas, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, maybe we're starting at the wrong place, right? Like we started at the ski snow interface and trying to model and understand that. Uh, we absolutely will have to go back and look at the boot, right? It's a 3D spring, like you said. Uh, I, and again, I think that's very modelable and understandable in the context of the whole system. But I think, you know, our first, uh, our first thrust here is really to try to quantify the spatiotemporal loads that are being applied to the ski in the field. And that's why we've developed uh, this distributed sensory system. Uh, and we're so excited to get this on skis this winter and get Blister and all the reviewers out and get getting this data. But you know, we're really trying to quantify what those loads look like as a function of time and space on the ski. And uh, so, you know, we talked about this last time, Jonathan, at the end of last season, you know, I went up to a basin and we got a couple good runs in and uh, we've been able to look at that data all summer now. And so we're really excited about where we're at in terms of understanding what the loads look like in the field on a pair of skis. Granted, this was spring conditions and corn snow, so we only have one data point. Uh, but I, I can't uh, articulate how excited I am about this, that we're able to do this. This is a hard problem, right? This is not something where you just go plug it into a computer and it pumps out the data. So if you think about how this problem is, it's, a, it's an ill-posed problem. So think about it, it's like a system of equations and there's not enough equations and too many unknowns. So it's an infinite number of solutions. So we've been able to figure out how to, to apply constraints and narrow that down. And so that's what we were talking about yesterday, Tomas, is the ability to actually visualize what the loads look like on the ski for an infield test. And, you know, again, we're talking about bridging the gap between, you know, the tools the engineers are using to kind of like design the skis and things and then what the, the testers and the qualitative folks are kind of understanding from the, the ski. But, you know, I think hopefully this is the key to maybe bridging that gap, right? So I don't want to make too, too large of a statement here, but again, I, I think we're making the right steps in that direction. I have no doubt that you'll be able to quantify some of the um, standard um, kind of qualitative information about like, hey, this tail feels stiffer. Well, I can map that in the lab and I can map in the lab the overall stiffness and EIJG and, and, and look at how those correlate to a tester's feedback on snow. And I think that's going to be very interesting to, to tie those together. And, and like I mentioned, if today all we have is tip, waist, tail, radius, and weight and length, okay, that's going to be a whole nother level that's going to really help people understand that how a, what what is a playful ski and and you know what what's it mean to to exit out of the turn and spring out of the tail i no no doubt in my mind that that's going to be achievable it's the number of variables in nature that i think you'll have if you tested last spring, you're going to have a data set. And if you repeated that the next day, I think you might have a um, completely different data set. You're right. There's infinite variability in nature, right? So it, it, and it comes down to the skier too. What, you know, are you a aggressive skier? Uh, are you more laid back? Uh, you know, how you feel in that day? Do you just have a beer at lunch and you're feeling pretty good about things? Or, you know, do you just take a hard fall and you're being a little bit, you know, timid on, on what you're doing with your turns? So you're right. Um, there, there's a lot of variability there and that's the challenge. But I think what most folks don't realize, there's a whole framework and there's a mathematics to be able to deal with uncertainty, right? And engineering isn't just, I'm going to design this one thing for this one very specific case. 
It's, you know, let's take into account all this uncertainty. And then what can we say in the presence of all that uncertainty? Yeah. Right. I mean, so that's, that's what we're trying to, you know, th- that's the bat we're, we're swinging with right now. The, you know, listening to the prior podcast of how you got involved in this. And, and I was imagining how did he put data and quantify um, against flies and bugs? Okay, that's there's a lot of variables there, and you can't talk to the feet, you know, talk to the fly, and and so I, I do think there's a path there, and um, but I also think that if someone adjusts their power strap and their boot, you're going to get a different force on that forebody of that ski than someone who buckled their boot just a little bit differently the day before. No, you're absolutely right, and again, it comes down to like the skier type, and and you know, again, how tight the boots buckled, all this stuff. Um, again, I still think uh, with the mathematics we have to bring to bear to this problem, we can still pull out the nuggets. I still think we can make um, you know quantitative statements about things. Now, again, I'm I'm an optimist here, right? <laughs> like, um, you know, I'm an engineer at heart, and I love the math, and I love the modeling. And I always love it when the modeling can tell us something interesting, right? So we'll see. <laughs> and, and we're engineers and, and that's going to be fascinating to solve that problem. But I think um, for the skier, what does it mean to the skier? That's going to be a little yep. bit of the interesting piece of it. Say, okay, here's data, but what does that mean to me? Am I going to be a better person because of this? Am I going to have a better time skiing? And ultimately, did you have fun? Um, did you, you know, did, do you like that ski? Can it help you make a buying decision from that data? That's, you guys have a challenge in front of you on, on, and putting meaning to data. Yeah. And that exactly, that's the other challenge is, you know, once we understand, uh, the fundamental mechanisms and the physics and, you know, being able to distill that down to a general audience is very difficult. So again, I do research in engineering, but I also do research in biology. And so I've had to communicate and, you know, collaborate with biologists most of my career. And we have very different sort of training and skill sets. And so I think, you know, I have some good experience in being able to kind of distill that stuff and kind of present it in ways so that it's easily digestible. But that that is the challenge is it can be, you know, taking the qualitative stuff that all the amazing reviewers here at Blister are doing and trying to attach some some numerical and, you know, maybe graphical significance to that. Um, you know, again, it's a challenge, but, you know, I, I'm bored if I wake up every day and I'm not challenged. So, And I don't want to be a naysayer of data. <laughs> I, you know, through and through, like that's where I think how we'll bring innovation to our sport. And it's not just skiing and it's other um, other interactions between uh, 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 physiology and the ground, you know, the equipment that we have. There's uh, there's all sorts of things that I saw in the lab today that I think is going to be a giant step forwards. Um, but what we have stumbled upon is when we're testing Phantom in in the lab and measuring friction and then taking it to snow, we're able to look at timed, you know, time is, you know, you, you can't, that that's not a... Um, it's a stopwatch, you know, and, and acceleration. And we, and we're able to measure those and compare phantom versus a wax versus nothing. And it's like, okay, that's where, um, not a lot of inputs. It's, it's speed and deceleration and friction, um, at, on DPS for, for measuring fatigue. Okay. We build skis that we want to last as long as possible. And we can do fatigue testing and, flex things in a lab and we can show how a classic built ski versus a carbon built ski, the value proposition of your ski is going to last longer. We can test damping in the lab and compare things, but then you take it to the snow and it all falls apart. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And so that's what we're trying to solve with the modeling, 
right? Like we're trying to be able to pull, like you said, the laboratory measurements, the, the EI and the GJ stiffnesses, pulling that into the model, letting the mathematics kind of predict. But, you know, I, I really want to make this point. And the one thing we're missing and the reason why that analysis hasn't worked to date is that we don't have good models for what snow is doing and we don't have those load cases that we can actually push back through the models once we have all the parameters to actually make some interesting and realistic prediction, right? Not just a ski sort of sitting in a clamp and vibrating and we're measuring the damping. You know, we need to have realistic load cases that we can push back through the models to help us compare things, right? So the models work both ways. So uh, they allow us to go get those loads and then we can turn right around and apply those loads to different models and different parameter sets to hopefully tell us something about this. And that's where I think we're going to make the connection to the qualitative. By the way, I want to just say one thing because this has been a recurring uh, question or debate or spectrum almost for the many years now where we have talked to different people in engineering about, you know, what we're doing at Blister. We have had conversations with folks versus what we're doing now. And I think this might be a nice way for people to think a little bit about the debate that's happening right now. And I really like the debate that's happening right now. On the one hand, and this is the thing that I've probably been the most critical of, is when engineers assume it's actually a really simple problem. And they're like, oh, I can just figure out the flex of this ski. And then I know everything that there is to know. And I can tell you exactly what your favorite ski is going to be. And I'm like, no, you can't. But on the other end of the spectrum is where I hear Tumas kind of going, which is there is a real concern that there are far too many variables to ever find something meaningful. And I think that's an interesting way to set up the kind of debate or, or have people individually think about, oh, no, engineering's easy. I just do this one little test and now I kind of know everything versus a skepticism. And by the way, Tumas, I, while you were talking, I'm just going to give a shout out. The global brand director for Lang, Tor Verdonk, he and I were yelling at each other in the Lang Ski Boot Factory in Montebelluna, Italy, and Tor very much was on your side of things of this is an extremely complicated problem when it comes to finding, you know, even we were really just talking about ski boot flex. And to me, it like Tor is a bit more where you were just coming from in terms of the there's too many variables. It's too complex. What I hear Sean saying right now is kind of, he's sort of living between the two poles of either oversimplification or impossible complexity to overcome. And Sean's like, I actually think with some more sophisticated testing and data analysis that we actually can avoid either end of those spectrums. How did you like that? Uh, Jonathan, that's an excellent way to word that. And let me just kind of reiterate some of those points. So as an engineer, I, I apply mathematical tools to, to find solutions to, you know, I apply a force on a beam and it bends, that kind of stuff. So those kind of problems are solvable. And those are the tools that we learn in engineering. But now we're, you know, and that works fine. If I'm designing a part for like a rocket engine that's in I, some known vibration environment, it's going to have this kind of stress. I can design that part not to fail. Right. But the problem we're talking about now is the ski experience and whether or not you're having a good day on your skis and you're feeling good in the moguls and the bumps when you're turning. This is a completely different proposition. 
right? We can apply engineering tools to hopefully kind of interrogate that. But you're right. There's so many variables. Boot, uh, you know, how, 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 you know, did you tighten your boots a lot today? Um, so what we want to be able to do is make some assumptions and impose some constraints to reduce that variable size down to something we can play with. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. And, and the real secret sauce is, you know, what constraints you're imposing and, you know, how are you limiting the solution space? Um, and again, we have a mathematics to deal with that, like all the uncertainty analysis and all the, the statistical stuff that we do. Right. So most engineers think you, you apply this and you get that. Right. So what if I apply this, but I apply it, you know, within some range. Now, what can I say about the system? Again, we have that math to be able to do that. So if we can intelligently figure out how to narrow down those variables, you know, we may not hit everything exactly, but we can, I believe, you know, translate some quantitative stuff out of the analysis for once. I think that'll be narrowing down the variables, but also quantifying as which input is providing the most variability in the data. And and that might be like you're going to you're going to mic up and measure a ski and then try um, ski in the backseat, change your power strap, do some other um variations and see, wow, that changed my data by 90% or 2%. And that'll, that'll help understand the significance of which input will change that data. And, you know, I do think why this is about to sound arrogant. I don't really mean it to, but part of what has been so exciting about this process for me is again, I have said many times now, like I am skeptical of when engineers come in and it's kind of an oversimplified answer and they're like here you go here's the data we don't need anything else like i've always resisted that what i find so compelling about this blister labs program and this partnership is look we have a 12 year track record now at blister recommending skis to people and going into a lot of hyper detail about how a ski is performing in certain characteristics and then how that ski compares to maybe 15 to 20 of its like most direct competitors. So frankly, I like our position in doing that. And I, I'll go so far as, you know, there maybe are some other good gear review publications out there in the world. I don't see anybody doing what we're doing in terms of like, we don't just call something good. We are going to go into like literally 10,000 words of detail, breaking that down. And I do think if we are for the time being allowed to use those qualitative reviews as a bit of the check against what we're finding in the laboratory, we can start with this. And if Sean is coming back with data or information that it's like, he's like, I think this looks meaningful. And our reviewers are like, this isn't aligning at all with our in-field experience, our on-mountain experience. Well, then we can just go back and that's like, okay, I, we need to find some meaningful tweaks here. And forgive me if, if it's like, if people listening to this, like, yeah, we've heard you say this a hundred times, but I really think that is what is so different about this time out is we will be sort of serving as a bit of a check on the lab results and the dynamic modeling. And we're going to learn a lot there. Well, what, what about the opposite? I, th I think the tester trumps the lab. And if you use the feedback from, you know, spending time on that ski and can you find correlation with the lab? Um, I, I still think the tester, um, that, that is a part that um, needs to be the, that, I don't know, that, the, the It'll trump data, not the other way. Well, so I might actually push back a little bit on that. Right now, 
not to say you have to be on my same page here. What I just kind of was trying to articulate, maybe for now, the tester will trump the data. But I can very much imagine a world where we are starting to, Sean and our team in the lab and with the dynamic modeling that's happening, we as testers are starting to learn that there are some constants that we are finding that absolutely link up and can start to serve, what would the right word be, as guide rails or constants where, you know what I mean? That stuff starts to actually check our reviews. So I don't think it's actually always clearly, obviously going to be that the tester will trump data. I think it could start being a bit of back and forth on this. That's, that's my hunch. Yeah, and I'm excited about that too, Jonathan. So again, just to reiterate, I think um, the qualitative reviewers, so that's going to be not just a check, but also a guide um, for us on the quantitative side. Um, but you know, as we you know, have discussed before, and I think your reviewers are very excited about this. Uh, with the data we're going to be getting out of the skis this season, they're going to be able to see the differences in their style and how they're bending skis and how they're entering and exiting turns and so forth. So they'll be able to kind of, kind of discern and kind of pick apart their particular styles, and that's going to help them become better reviewers, right? But again, I think the, the qualitative has to guide the quantitative just out of the gate here. So we're just launching this year an update, some pretty significant technology update to our Pagoda Tour, our touring skis, and and the the explanations and the the feedback we've gotten is like it feels more planted. It's confidence inspiring, and we've we've lightened them and we've made them more confidence inspiring in a lightweight touring ski. Where does data? Um, how do you how do you measure stoke or? or other these very ethereal type of things that you can't quite describe even? If, if I could give you the answer to that right now, I, re- I really wish I could. Um, I'm hoping to be able to do something at least reasonable in that category and in that area, right? Like, I think a lot of these things and these, these sort of qualitative aspects, we can group a lot of these things together. And again, I've got in my head what I think these the quantitative versions of those things are, right? I, I don't want to articulate those now because you know we're, we're still working on that. But I'm hoping to be able to do something in that neighborhood. I would push back on the idea that for people who know how to test skis, planted is some ethereal notion. It's not. When you are on, let's say, a couple hundred pairs of skis a year and you've done that for... 12 years, 13 years or whatever, that is not like, oh, some other person would have a, someone who is a sensitive tester is not going to have this radically different feeling or articulation of that. Now, maybe perhaps more interesting here, this is the part where I would love the lab results to check me. So you're talking about a ski I have not been on, right? Pagoda Tour. One of the things that we have said for years, and frankly, we have said this about some DPS skis, they are sometimes too stiff for how light they are. And I am very curious in working with Sean to see if that is another sort of oversimplification. I've said this a lot for a lot of years now, right? That the heavier a ski is, the stiffer we feel a ski can be and preserve good suspension, right? And when we're talking about a ski being planted, that is not synonymous with, say, 
having a, a feeling of like good suspension, just like a mountain bike, but it's not way off. So like, that's one of the things that I would be very curious if the ski you're talking about, where you're saying people are coming back and saying it feels more planted and you're also saying it got lighter on the scale. Okay. Tumas is nodding. Yes. The ski is lighter now on the touring side. Then my instinct is I want to know if that ski actually got softer. Now, whether that's torsionally softer or in terms of bending stiffness, but that's my hunch. And we're going to have a way now to sort of like get into more detail and, and learn more about the ski characteristics and check some of my claims. A little secret. Um, yeah, stiffness is, is to the third power of thickness. And yes, how did we get lighter? And we added more damping in there. We actually did soften them because you have less material in there and that's going to lighten them. So you're very spot on on, on you know, where we know how do we just continue to improve that on snow feel and in a carbon fiber ski and, and our frontside skis, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're completely, you know, over the last 10 years, we've learned how to harness the power of carbon. And I'll, I harp on this in other conversations, a lot of good skis out there. I think they've gotten boring. And we're trying to be something unique to somebody who wants some energy and return and excitement in their ski. And that's where, call it stiffness versus weight. You know, we're always a little bit on the lighter side of a metal ski, for example. And great, there's some great metal skis out there. They're super smooth and 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 damp and boring. And we can still lay our hip in the snow and carve as hard as them, but we can, there's excitement. Um, so that's, little little different conversation there but that's that's uh something and that's you know take it back to quantifying this you know it'll be interesting to see the correlation between a fiberglass ski and a carbon ski and and you might have a similar stiffness but will you have the same amount of energy return you know it's kind of a going back to the k or you know the spring coefficient like there that'll be an interesting data point to to compare classic skis and uh and carbon skis yeah, and this is my Tomas, this is my dream is to get to the point where the modeling tools are good enough so that you can design not only like the stiffness profiles like uh, Jonathan just saying, but design you know mass and damping profiles throughout the ski too, right? Because yeah, what you guys are doing with all the materials and everything, you know, you're changing like damping properties and and again, you start talking about some of these integrated quantities like you know energy and return, all that stuff. Exactly what I've been always wanting to do with this. You know, being able to have the tools to design in terms of those quantities would be amazing, right? And so that's where I would love to push this eventually. Let's also just keep the skier in mind. And that's a long time ago, there was an interesting study in some uh, technology I stumbled upon. And, and the, the human body reacts to stimulation, you know, um, in, in different ways. But there was small little um, sensors looking at the hair on your body and when it starts actually standing up that means you ha you're in an agitated or excited state and it and it triggered a camera that you're wearing to take a picture what was it that excited you right there like and so like i'll throw this at you like you're you're you are quantifying just the the to a to a new norm to, to a new level um can you can you quantify the physiology and the user experience 
Yeah, we've done. We've started to think about that a little bit too. So when I was uh, up there last at the end of last season, um, so we've got these little uh, you know muscle sensors as well, so they can pick up some of the the stuff going on with your muscles. And so uh, one of my other grad students did a couple of runs where he was actually getting some some muscle data in addition to the the performance data on the skis, right? So. That could be really interesting. Like, there's some skiers that are just about power, and there are some skiers that I'm having more fun because it is easier. Yeah. And like, what wh- what is the energy usage, or you know, like sure. maybe there's Absolutely. something there that you can quantify that helps people. Like, hey, I'm just a Sunday easy, you know, easy like a Sunday morning, and like, wow, okay, this ski is actually easy. Yeah, and it goes back to the you know the blister reviewers like Luke and other folks. They're really excited about seeing like you know how how much they're bending the skis, comparing to other other reviewers and so forth. Same, it's all the same thing, right? Like just understanding what the the small differences are and what like like the little minor things that everybody's doing. I thought it was a very interesting comment you had a while ago, Jonathan. That that uh, you know you could be you could weigh 150 pounds but exert 600 pounds of force to a ski and you can be 200 pounds and and dance like a butterfly there's there's you know that's what maybe what i'm talking about there's so many different variables in power transmission uh edge angles and, and it sounds like sounds like sean you, you you're able to capture that and overlay that to the data to try to find some sense right I think we can, and especially if we start involving some of these physiological sensors too, that's just going to be so interesting to start comparing and kind of slicing through that data. Do you think you'll be able to quantify me singing and smiling while I'm skiing? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> well, come to Crested Butte, you'll definitely be smiling when you're skiing out here. <laughs> and that's, at the end of the day, that's kind of what skiing is about, right? We, we focus on the mystery, you know, of sliding across snow and, and, and you know, we are engineers or I play one on TV and, and, uh, and work with some great ones. But I, at the end of the day, how do you, how do you use this information to guide someone into the right ski for them and using data to much more than here's the length and here's the width. So I'm, I'm psyched about to see how this evolves. Yeah. And I'm just a touch of skepticism on the snow. You're going to kill it in the lab. Well, and again, I mean, where we started here is I'll, I'll reiterate we already like our position with what we are doing in terms of consumer product information at Blister. You know, we are about to come out with our next new winter buyer's guide with, I think, 275 skis in there. And one of the things I've said for years about our buyer's guide is I actually will stand by every sentence in that guide, which is not to say that there is not room for reasonable disagreement about a particular product, but this is not just made up. This isn't just regurgitated. We weren't reading manufacturers' websites and grabbing lines and keywords. So we like what we have been doing here. And believe me, you know, if our friends down at Western in the lab are just coming back with stuff where we're like, we don't think that actually added anything to our review. That's the whole thing that we've been saying here is, well, then we have to figure that out. But I actually, as skeptical as I am, I do already see numerous places where the data will be able to check some of the things that we might be finding in the field. So I think we're already in a good spot. We're just, frankly, going to almost interrogate like the discipline of engineering and push it and see what it can do. And we'll slap it where we think it's not being helpful, you know, but that's so exciting to me. You know, I'm not aware 
of engineering being used in that type of way. I've said this on past conversations about Blister Labs, right? Often in the outdoor industry, quote unquote engineering is a screenshot capture of some graph where the manufacturer is like, look, we made this wheel 20% better. Just look at the picture. And like, that's it. Engineering is a, is a snapshot. And that is not what we are doing here. And conversations like this, it's this like dynamic process. And I don't know, that's one of the things I find really excited about. Yeah, Jonathan, I love the the word interrogate. Usually we use engineering tools to interrogate systems to understand them, but we're using the qualitative to interrogate the engineering here, right? And so that, that's been, I, I really like that. We should wrap up. It's been many wonderful conversations, but a whole lot of conversations. And I should let you gentlemen get to other things. But Tumas, maybe some final thoughts on this, maybe some other concerns um, I think it's fascinating, the innovation and the direction. It, I mean, we, you know, theoretically left the mechanical age long time ago and we're in the digital age and, and measuring. And I've always been a proponent of connected hardware where, okay, we have something physical and how are we adding some zeros and ones to it to to really understand things better or communicate um, it's also putting a lot of trust into the user who just wants to go out. Um, and I'm a, you know, there's passionate skiers that just they're singing songs and just skiing and not thinking about their gear. Totally. And often it's I've had some some user groups and case studies where like I'm a I'm a big dude and I like stiff skis. Yeah. And it is I used to be so surprised at the that how often they'll pick the softest ski because they're actually entering into the power band. They're actually able to use the ski and they think it's actually stiffer. So we are putting trust into the, um, the reader applying their own perceived desires into a data set, which there's going to be some um, maybe uh, walking through actually how, how that works for, for skiers that we have athletes that, that, are incredible skiers that can't talk about a ski flex yep. and we have others that are ski whispers that know it. We used to change, like we would dial in the flex, di the, the profile, dial in the stiffness. And then last year we were working on the small little changes of the durometer of the sidewall. And that's something that we could feel it. And it was really like five, like changing it by just five points on the D scale. And I don't know how that plays out on the snow like how can you go and measure something small like that but it was surprisingly very noticeable those little things well yeah i think if it's noticeable to the skier we should be able to see it in the loads that are getting imparted on Agreed. the ski, right like we should be able to see that in the data so i can't wait gentlemen thank you i always love smart disagreement and you know respectful pushback and the rest and I mean, it's wonderful, right? And we have been having numerous, uh, very interesting conversations with manufacturers in the bike world and the ski world and the rest and hearing people's concerns and their enthusiasm and excitement and uh, absolute skepticism in some points, you know, it's, it's been really interesting and it only kind of serves to uh, keep me excited about where we're doing and keep these conversations going and, and, uh, and 
do the work with Sean and his great crew. So anyway, Tumas, thank you for being with us here in, in Crested Butte. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll try to not disappoint you with, you know, the findings that we release. I'm out. Well, let's take it to the snow at, at the, uh, at the blister summit. And I can't wait and have these conversations on the chairlift. Yeah, I can't wait to get up uh, and take you on some turns in this mountain. <laughs> well, thank you both. And uh, I'm sure I will be talking with both of you very soon. Thanks, Jonathan. Great to meet you, Tomas. All right. Well, it is time now for our weekly What We're Celebrating segment. And this is what's going to happen. I'm going to finish recording this episode. Then I am going to go sneak in a quick workout because the workouts have been a little inconsistent in the past week while we've been finishing up this big book that we just got done with. Well, tonight it's actually going to be a beer night. And so we are going to be, you know, sampling a couple of our favorite beers from New Image Brewing. And we're going to go with Fanny Pack and then their Coriolis Effect, two of my favorites from New Image. So that's going to be going down at my house in about 90 minutes after I sneak in that stupid workout, which I definitely don't want to do right now. But anyway, what we are celebrating this week is absolutely the wrapping up of another big book. Our team is incredible. Luke Hoppe is incredible. And um, we're really proud of this one once again. And personally, I have to say, I just really love the photos we have in the guide this year. So even if you don't care about all of our excellent, excellent product descriptions, get this stupid book just because we got some great photos in there. It's grade A coffee table material for sure. So anyway, to everyone at Blister who has worked on that guide, I will be raising my glass to you very shortly after this stupid workout, but while I am enjoying some very good beer with some very good friends. And that then leads us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Tumas and Sean for the great conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon. Now go get that guide, people. Please go get that guide. Okay, bye, everybody.